Hello and welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. I'm Ryan, your host, joined by my other host. I'm Sage. And uh, we have a guest today. We're joined by... Rachel Hatchett. Uh, my majors are Radio, Television, and Film in African and African Diaspora Studies. And I am the Director of Diversity and Inclusion here at the Davis Hudson. Yeah, and today we're discussing Nope, the yeah. movie by Jordan Peele, not anything else. Just <laughs> Nope, the movie. That's literally what it's called. But yeah, we, know we had the opportunity to see it yesterday. Oh my God. With a thanks to our wonderful PR team, you guys are great. Sorry for the confusion, but we did get to go see it, and um, you know, we'll start with the spoiler free for those listening yes. who haven't seen it. We're gonna start with our spoiler free reviews uh, of the movie, like what we liked, and then we're gonna go in depth, plot point by plot point, and just break this movie apart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, would anyone want to start specifically? Anyone have like a jumping point for this? The punchlines, the performances. I think that's them immediately. Everybody can like that. Like you, you, you will laugh at this yes. movie. And I feel movie. like that was something that I was very excited to see play out in this movie. Like in the teasers, even just the title of the movie, Nope, is so like I keep seeing these jokes that one of these days all of his movies are gonna spell out like a sentence, which I think is so funny. But <laughs> like even just like in knowing the title and seeing the like trailers, and just because I think Kiki Palmer. And when I think of her, I just think of this, like, comedic powerhouse. Yeah. So I was very excited to see, like, the comedy in this movie shine through. And I think that that 100% delivered. I think Kiki Palmer is the funniest person in this movie. I can't imagine anybody else no. in that role. Yeah, 100%. Kiki, keep a job, Palmer. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's I... almost like a lot of the humor is unintentional except for Kiki's character. Yeah. Which is... um. Emerald. I put in my review, and Rhea obviously took it out, but it was like, I thought most of her lines were unscripted. Like, it just felt so natural, and sometimes I saw, like, I found myself saying the same thing that she was saying. It was just a gut reaction. Like, I loved it. Loved she kind of felt like, um, so whenever, like, for example, I watch horror movies with my mom, she always talks during the movie. Yeah. And we're like, don't go behind that door. And I'm like, mom, you can't, <laughs> they're not going to hear you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was the character who's verbalizing everything we're thinking, like you're saying. Yeah. Um, yes. You know, we have these fears of like, I don't really want to deal with that. And then she would actually say that. It's like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I feel like it's funny because in this movie, we have two very opposite siblings. Mm -hmm. We have Daniel Kaluuya's character um, who plays this very... Um, how would y'all describe him? I want to describe him as not outspoken. Like, not mm -hmm. quiet. I think the closest is restricted because yeah, he's thinking things, but he's just not going to yes. say it. Mm -hmm. But still hard-headed. Like, he yes. believes in what he's going to believe. He's going to stand up mm -hmm. for what he wants. 100%. Yeah. And that kind of plays off of Kiki Palmer's very um, lively, outgoing, just vibrant character who kind of brings the comedy. But in a way, I feel like they both do. And I think that's what made the comedy in this movie so successful is I think that they both kind of work to vocalize audience thoughts because I think that was just like such a cool part of the movie because there were so many times where as an audience member, you just think, nope. Yeah. Like thinking yeah. And they were tied by that. They were tied I remember by that. That's like Kiki's first thing. And then when he sees it in the car, he like opens the door and they close. He's like, nope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think that that was, it's funny because I think that in a lot of cases that could have read so like cheesy yeah. and read so like, uh, mm, like cringy, cringe. but in, it worked so well in it this did. movie. And it just like, fit the tone of the plot and the script so well and i just thought it was so funny and yeah. i think there were so many times where the audience would just like erupt in laughter yeah 
which I think was so fun. And it feels like this is Peel, and especially as actors as well, this is like the first of the three movies where they're fully leaning into the comedy of it. Like, mm. this feels yeah. like we're going back to the Key and Peel days of Jordan Peel's comedy. Definitely. Because while it was prominent in the other ones, it's like the centerpiece for this very, one. Very much the centerpiece. Because I don't think there's any real social commentary in this one. Mm -mm. I think that's what makes it so different. But also the chemistry between each of the actors, I thought, were was amazing. Mm -hmm. um, Brandon Perea's character, the Fry's electrician, and Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kalua's character, I think they all just mesh well. I don't know if I believe they're siblings, but the interaction with them in the store, I think, like, solidified it. And then um, on stage, so he's like, there's another great. And then she's like, great. You know, like, that sibling that fills in, like, I think he's the older brother, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think... The chemistry made the movie too. Like, I can't imagine anybody else in the world. It's especially interesting for that dynamic, considering uh, which this is in the trailer. So if you haven't seen the trailer, this is, I guess a trailer spoiler. But their dad uh, dies in yeah. the, you know, in the movie, uh, and it's shown in the trailer, and you just see that dynamic build throughout the movie between these two characters and how they're dealing with this grief. Yeah, definitely. very differently, very different. which I think is very interesting. And I think you kind of see, and maybe it's because um, Daniel Kaluuya's character and what is his name the OJ OJ yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think, funny. I think it's OJ and Emeralds yeah okay, yeah yes. okay so I think um maybe it's just because we see OJ witness the death and he's there for it and I feel like that's why as a viewer it's kind of we see him I feel like grieving more traditionally than we see Kiki Palmer um mm. it feels like Kiki Palmer's grieving is a lot more kind of reminiscing whereas his is actually like feeling it and feeling very heartbroken afterward which i think is interesting considering she's this very like vibrant character and you would think oh she's probably the emotional one of the two but it almost seems like he might be which i think was a really interesting dynamic i think it's because he was so close like mm -hmm. he was still working on the ranch and i think that plays a role in how their characters respond to what's going on because mm -hmm. i think daniel's character is mainly like i'm gonna stick it out we're gonna fight this thing while kiki she's like i I'm ready to go. Like she says yeah. multiple times, I want to leave this house. I want to yeah. leave this house. But OJ, he's like, no, we're staying. I'm getting this shot. Horses have to be fed. So he's very much dedicated <laughs> to his family's yeah. mission. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think um, Emerald, she was just like, oh, I got this on the side. I got this on the side. Like I'm gonna keep moving. Yeah. And she was kind of already on the outskirts of the family business. So it's 100%. just interesting because the grief brings them back in together. And even in the international trailer, they actually show her on uh, Hollywood Walk of Flame, a fame, Hollywood Walk of Flame. They show her walking down and like interacting with everyone. So you can definitely see like the outgoing nature of how she's trying to cope with the distress through humor and, you know, expanding what she wants to do with her life as well, mm -hmm. which is very interesting that they didn't put that in the movie, but it was in the trailer. Wow. Yeah. yeah I, I missed that. It was um international trailer, so it wasn't the oh, US trailer. Okay. I, was I found like, oh, it like oh, thirty minutes ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. But um aside from characters, I mean the plot is ultimately pretty sound, I would say. I think there's a f element of it that you either like it or you don't. And I think that's the make or break for this movie because it's got a 90% right now in Rotten Tomatoes. Really? But I have a hunch the audience score is going to go lower. I was confused after the movie. Like I had yeah. a lot of questions and I was talking with my friend about like, oh, why did the dad have to die in the first couple of seconds? And I was like, okay, that makes sense. But what was the monkey plot for? Yeah. And so I think the end connection was just like, oh, animals in Hollywood. But I was just like, why is Stephen Young's character... Mm involved yeah you know what i mean that was my big question and i don't think they tapped into that storyline enough 
I loved how it was star studded, like yes, very familiar faces, mm-hmm. and it just brought another level of comfortable comfortability. I think to viewers, yes. just easing the anxiety of it being a horror movie. Yeah, and I think it's nice seeing Daniel back because I know Jordan Peele before this movie came out said like um, Daniel is his Robert De Niro for yeah. his movies, and I really think just. Jordan Peele having a select cast that he can always turn to. I know for sure Stephen Young's been in his Twilight series or Twilight Zone series. Then you had Daniel and Get Out. Um, what has Kiki Palmer been in? Any? I think she might have been in the Twilight Zone. I can't Maybe. remember for sure. I, yeah. Um, but just the fact that he has this close knit cast that we can always you know expect to pop up in his movies in some way or another. It's nice to see all of them come into this one movie. Yeah, I just thought about if he included. I think his name Duke Winston from Us, like the father in Us. Mm-hmm. How that would have been different i think between him and kiki palmer but he is very funny mm-hmm. um i don't know if he could play uh oj the same way that daniel kaluuya played oj and then also if lupita was instead kiki palmer i don't think her jokes would land as hard that's true or like if he took like you know he took a chance on kiki palmer i mean not, not take a chance she's gifted um <laughs> but if he exchanged her for tiffany haddish that would have had a whole different oh. feel so I think that the character selection and the actresses and actors were very tasteful perfect. and perfect for yeah. what he was trying to achieve. Yeah, overall, I mean, everyone, you know, give give your ratings. I give it a five out of five. I'll get into why later, but um, what were y'all ratings if y'all were to give this out of five? It's so, I feel like I just want to see this movie so many more times because yeah. I feel like just after seeing it once, um, it's still growing on me as I think about it. Definitely. But I would feel, I think right now, when I first left the theater, I'll be honest, it did not click for me right away. Same. And we were kind of talking about this earlier because I feel like Get Out and Us both leave you with this very like gut punch feeling. Um, and it's very powerful in a very scary way. Yeah. Um, whereas this one didn't. This one felt a lot lighter. And even like the societal messages it was, kind, it was trying to convey um, felt a little bit lighter than maybe Get Out or Us. Um, but as I've thought about it more and I've kind of embraced the movie for what it was trying to be, it felt like he wasn't trying to go for as much of a horror angle as his previous projects. And so now I would, I would probably give it a four out of five. Four out of five. Um, four and a half out of five. Okay. I think when I first, like the credits were rolling, my immediate number was a three. Like I, well, my immediate number was a four. And then I was like, wait, if this wasn't Jordan Peele, I think it'd be a three. Yeah. Um, it slowly started climbing because it was growing on me. And I'm like, maybe I just didn't get it. Um, I remember after watching Get Out and Us, I was sick and still had, I think I had like at least three hours of conversations about the movie. Maybe this is the earliest I've ever seen one of his movies. So I'm I'm still, there's not much else dialogue I could compare it to. But Mm -hmm. I remember with Get Out and Us, I was like cooking YouTube video after YouTube video, like getting so (laughs) many, so much input as as I can. But I just... This movie felt resolved to me, and I that didn't, didn't like. It was just a new feeling because I was. If I every time I see a Jordan Peele movie, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm gonna be thinking so hard, and then this time I'm like, oh, it's done. Like they, th- I almost said a spoiler. Like <laughs> this, this happened. The movie concluded. Everything is how it ended. What else? I it made my head hurt honestly because I was like, what am I not getting? And so my final rating is a four and a half out of five because. I was looking for that music and that music was not there. So mm-hmm. that's fair. Yeah, that's my final rating. But I feel like now we could we could go into spoilers. spoilers. So yes. go see the movie yourself uh, and then come back to this podcast if you haven't seen it yet because we are about to spoil every aspect of this movie 
And you don't want to get it spoiled because it is actually a great movie to go into not knowing yeah. what's up. Uh, but yeah, let's just start right at the beginning of the movie. So actually, the beginning of the mo- movie opens with the, the monkey, monkey scene. scene. Yeah, which yes. uh, for context, the monkey scene is Stephen Young's backstory, which he kind of had a TV show. What was it again? Sitcom. Yeah. I don't remember. They kept saying nope. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, it has a live monkey on the sitcom show. And the monkey goes insane uh, because of balloons that popped. And he starts killing everyone. Yeah, and I think setting it with a sitcom makes us takes us back to the 80, late '80s, early '90s. Yes. So that's like an automatic, subtle pushback, and not we're not in contemporary times. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, which I thought was interesting because mm-hmm. then it, that was kind of offset by like you go forward, and I feel like, sorry, this is kind of going off track, but I feel fine. like whenever we jump forward. Um, and we're clearly in like present time, but it still kind of had that very 80s nostalgia to it mm-hmm. that I thought was really interesting just in their fashion and uh, the fact that it was kind of, it kind of felt very much like a Western, yeah. um, which I thought was a really cool choice. I really liked the setting mm-hmm. um, in a horse ranch in the middle of somewhere california literally yeah, yeah. just california and <laughs> i i thought it was really fascinating but yeah and i thought that that like that initial shot of just the monkey over the dead body and there's blood and the balloons and it just like is so chaotic well that person was dead yeah yeah oh that was the 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 girl. That was yeah. the girl in the right. stadium where they trick you in the trailer. Right. She's like, "Oh, yeah. is that you know, is that person an alien or yeah. something? Or did they yeah. get it's hurt by the aliens?" And then it just ends up being someone who got attacked by the aliens. Right. Okay. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> <Surprise>. <laughs> There's so much. There's okay. Because I so, love yeah. that opening, but I it, it really does too. feel very jarring. Yes. And I think, I mean, for me, that's what stuck with this movie is it's so random and makes you think the entire time. You're like, "Well, how does this fit in?" And I kind of like that opening for it because yes. it's such a weird movie already. Yeah. Um, like, we'll get into why it's weird later with the whole creature. Oh, I kind of spoiled it. Never mind. <laughs> um, anyway, I'll just say it real quick. It's not a UFO. It's a creature. We'll break it down more later. But just the fact that it jumps in with something that just doesn't feel like it should belong in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. I thought about the ethics of sitcoms and the writing of sitcoms and the use of animals on sets and the dangerousness that, dangerous that comes dangerous aspect that comes with it i was kind of confused but like intrigued like it was a very great opener like oh what is this movie going to be about i was kind of like there was no mention of this in the trailer um how does this fit in and then all of a sudden we see a title card and i liked i liked how it flipped through because it reminded me of old film um how it changed with each narrative when that after the title card and they show us the first um animate run well, animation first picture mm-hmm. of the jockey riding the horse that's within the the ship yeah which you don't realize until later yeah. and then yeah. it becomes a lot more horrific yeah. mm-hmm. of like what you're originally seeing so the movie's like there's this long looking hallway with the first picture motion picture on there and um that's i'll just it's kind of jumping ahead but that's the aliens digestive system yeah we are seeing this movie from but you don't realize that until like 45 minutes into the movie because this is a two-hour movie yeah yes. And then it just jumps straight into the next like storyline. Yeah. What was the title Clover? card for it? Clover. Clover. I think that's the horse's name. I missed it. Yeah. But yeah, I'll definitely catch it. Pay more attention in the next two, <laughs> three times I'm going to watch this film. What pops up again for each? It's like a title card. Yeah. And it's like a little, I remember it vividly because it's it's black, but then the um, 
what's it called? The letters are reflected at the bottom too. So oh, they it are? was like clo- yeah, clover. I thought that was an interesting choice. I did. I thought it looked very. It was interesting because at first it kind of reminded me of like an iMovie. Same. <laughs> I, I thought amateur. Kind of interesting yeah. Because it kind of felt like it. It just felt interesting because it was like oh, like he's kind of combining this like eighties film style with like very modern like iMovies type like title cards, which I thought was super interesting, and it was almost like. Like, it felt in- very intentionally weird. Yeah. Because I was expecting, just because, like, from, like, the teasing of the movie and the movie posters, I was expecting this to be one of those things where he's kind of, like, working the title into the, mm. like, landscape mm. somehow. That's what I was expecting. And so when it was just this very bleak, blunt title card that just said, nope, or it, it that was further used to, like, separate acts. Yeah. I thought that that was a very interesting choice. Well, I think it's it's cool that you point out amateur because I just kind of thought about, you know, the horse ranch and the family business had been around since the beginning of film. So I think that is, you know, purposely mm-hmm. saying, you know, amateur film, all they had at this time was text. Let's put text up there, mm-hmm. like early film. And I think yeah. that's even replicated in the sitcom because even then that's showing the difference of all the filmmaking where you have the first motion picture. You have, you know, structure. we just separate things with a different structure. And then you have the sitcom from the 90s to show how it advanced. And then ultimately the entire movie is filmed like a 2000s movie. Yeah. So that's interesting that we pointed that out with the title but card. But after the the name pops up, Clover, I thought it was a, a very beautiful scene afterwards. You see Keith David, I think, or David Keith, the, the father on the horse. They're both on the horse oh, yeah, talking. And I'm yeah. like, wow, you know. Very rarely, I think it's more so now, or maybe even the old, old time westerns where you see a black man on a horse. So I'm like, oh, okay, they're gonna be on horses for most of this. And I thought it was a good, good picture to put in the industry of like a narrative that has been erased of black people on horses and black cowboys. So that was pretty cool. But then within so close from each other, we move from one brutal scene to another brutal scene. It's raining, raining keys and coins and all of this. So what's going on? It's just, um, yeah, all of a sudden you start hearing things dropping around these characters. And if you hadn't seen the trailer, like I believe all of us, because we just saw the teaser, you don't really know what it is. It's like, is that rain? And then all of a sudden you hear something hit Keith David's character. And um, he's just not moving on top of this horse. And the Mm -hmm. horse starts walking away and he just falls off. And David's character is just freaking out because, I mean, no one really knows what fell from the sky. Yeah. Um, Wasn't, didn't the horse get hit too? The horse did get hit by a key mm-hmm. on the on its back. back. Okay, that's how you saw it. And then uh, Keith David gets a coin through his eye because yeah. he had been looking up when all these things were raining down, and he dies. Yeah, let me see that picture of his face. That was such a, a visceral like shot of just the slot through his eye. I think um, that's what I wrote down. I was like, the face stills are still very strong in yes. his movies. I think that's something he's very consistent with. So that, that picture, that face, and then every time they like looked up very strong Mm -hmm. and i think there's something i I don't know if this was intentional on peel's part but when you're a kid you always hear that whole thing about you know dropping a coin off a tall building you could kill someone with yeah and i think that to me was terrifying because that's like a i mean that was a childhood nightmare coming to life this quarter going through this guy's eye and killing him we missed a key part and jordan peel like starts it with all his movies is that little quote and the bible quote he has is nahum N-A-H-U-M 3-6. I totally forgot that was a book in the Bible. It's after Micah, and it's talking about um, the town of, what's it called? Nineveh, I think. 
Don't quote me on this. <laughs> but the but the the Bible verse is something along the lines of like coins will rain down on you, something raining down on you and like causing destruction. And I thought that was interesting because yeah. like who like rarely do you hear like preachers talking about this book or this story and then him to put this in context with the other or something from the sky, you know, coming yeah. down. And then that's what I thought about like the coins. So I didn't that's even make that, that was the quote. Yeah. Did you even catch? I don't remember no. if the quote was in between the monkey scene and. The title card and then Clover. I think it was the or first the thing very, and then very the beginning. Scene. I think it was the first. And that was another thing I thought was cool about the film is that it kind of threw us right into these very gruesome scenes right after the other. And then yeah. those were things, and without much context, and those were things we had as an audience had to piece together later, which I thought was really cool. Because those are the most horrific scenes, mm-hmm. which would make sense then why it has it right after that quote, which the, I really like. Other than the like the blood like on the house oh I yeah was i would say i don't know maybe i messed up but i thought that was a beautiful scene really I it was <laughs> did y'all hear in the theaters the dude laughing somebody laughing behind us when something like that either people were getting eaten or something yeah. just the only person laughing i'm like that's not supposed to be <laughs> no, funny down no like actually laughing like it was finding so this amusing. funny because there were so many times where i just wanted to laugh out of shock like yeah cause, just nervous because like, i do feel like truly a lot of alien movies i've seen typically are not that gruesome like in this film we are taken right into the digestive system of this alien which yeah. i think is a very intimate, <laughs> yeah very intimate little portrait of the alien which i think is just super like unique about this movie i'm yes. trying to think what movie do you get that close Jaws 3D, but that's not a good movie. Jaws, but they never go inside the shark. <laughs> Jaws 3D, they do. 3D, but oh, it's a crappy yeah, movie. So movie. Yeah, it doesn't count. I'm trying to. I can't think. I mean, other than like emotionally, the um, a first alien movie I can think of is ET, because like you're seeing with like his thoughts inside. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I can't not think really. of. Because yeah. I think, or pretty early on, we see what's like the sucking or whatever yeah. that's Which, going on, and it was. It was interesting. Just that scene was so, it was like, as an audience member, I didn't know whether to find it. Because honestly, whenever the alien sucks the people up, um, and I know we're kind of jumping forward a bit, but yeah. whenever the, the alien is sucking people up, you don't know what's going to happen to them. Because at that point, you still don't know if this is a creature or a ship. And mm-hmm. that's very interesting because it's like, oh, is it just sucking it them into the ship? And then they're going to interact with the aliens. And then later you realize, oh, that is the creature. That yeah. is a living thing. And it was eating them. Well, we could, we could jump ahead to it... the ship real quick. Because okay, I feel okay, like yeah. that's the whole... Because, I mean, it's shown in the trailers. Even. Yeah. Um, it's the ship the that eye. hides between the clan. It's not even a real ship. Um, and they keep referencing it's not a real ship. Oh, they call it the eye? Or um, I don't think they call it an eye, but I think that's what people think it is. It does look like that. It looks like an eye from the bottom. Um, But basically, it's this flying saucer-shaped thing that flies around the sky for most of the movie. And it picks people up by basically creating like a tornado-esque thing and sucking it up. Through the movie, they figure out it's not actually a ship. There's no aliens in it. It it is the alien. This saucer flying thing is the alien. And um, when it picks people up, it's just it's digesting them in the sky. Yeah. It's disgusting. It's really uncomfortable, but that's kind of what that saucer is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was no, just yeah, defining no, what it was. It's just that scene, that first scene where we're at the fair and people are getting sucked up by the alien. And in that moment, we don't, I don't think as an audience, we, to my knowledge, I don't think we know that that is a creature. That's a living creature. We see these people getting sucked up by the alien. And I think at that point, 
to my knowledge, we don't know that it's a living creature yet. And so to see these people getting sucked up and where we don't know that it's being digested and then later realizing, oh my God, those people were being eaten and we just saw them being eaten. Yeah. And we didn't really even understand. What's the first thing we witnessed it eat? The classic horse? Or oh, ghost? I know it eats a horse. So um, It well, eats ghosts, right? Not ghost. Is it ghost? One right. of the horses escapes. I thought it was clover. I, maybe that's, yeah, that makes sense. Because, um, sounds like who's clover? Well, I guess I'll jump back to where after Keith David, because that's a part of the clover story still. Okay. So they then go to a set the next day and they have clover the horse at this. That is clover in that scene. I thought it was lucky because he brings that one to Rick, Ricky. See, I thought it was clover. It might have been lucky though because I thought it was clover because that still section had the was X. called clover. The X is on him. That's right. And then he brings, I'm going back to get lucky. Okay. So I'm like, I don't know who Clover is. I, lo I lost Clover. I <sighs> we lost Clover yeah. we along lost the Clover. way. But I think it would make sense if that's the one that got Wait, eaten. no, it is Clover then. Clover's the one with the X's because Lucky is the one that gets put in the box later, right? Yeah. Lucky was the one that gets put in the or box. Or maybe Lucky's the commercial and the one he takes to see. Yeah. Anyway, I don't they're know. Filming a Clover commercial. got eaten, probably. Yeah. So they're filming a commercial for something. Yeah. Um, basically, it's just kind of a way to introduce the characters um so you see how reserved david's character is or daniel mm -hmm. and then you see kiki palmer's character uh just kind of being the flamboyant like running around Woo! Yeah, yeah guys look at me i'm the horse trainer and it's funny she gives a great performance and you kind of see they give the same monologue but hers is just more exciting and engages the audience more and then you know there's a the whole thing about looking in the eye of the horse mm -hmm. and i thought that that was um a really cool introduction especially retrospectively thinking of the movie because it also kind of shows their separate um relationships to hollywood and fame and being in the spotlight and it Brushes. kind of shows how they perceive that differently because their family they are in the horse training business but they're also they've also been a big part of the film the film industry for a while and i think that's a big theme in the movie yeah um, mm. yeah because they're great fame. great great great-grandfather was uh there's another great <laughs> was uh the first horse jockey to mm. be in film or the first stuntman actor and what was the, it was was it just horse jockey or no animal tamer mm -hmm. yes in the industry which um, it's a great way to center your characters around and why they have this ranch this yeah. and kiki palmer seems extreme emerald i should say seems extremely thrilled to be in this setting like she seemed very comfortable she was pitching her projects to people she was pitching herself as an actress and she just lit up in that environment where um oj was kind of the opposite he seemed very hesitant he seemed he just did not seem happy to be in that environment he did not seem like he had any sort of he didn't want any sort of connection to showbiz he was just kind of doing it out of like necessity to keep his business running and so i thought that that because retrospectively thinking about the theme of fame and notoriety in the movie was a very interesting way to showcase the two characters differing perspectives on that. I think it speaks to how their relationship is with attention. Yes. Like Kiki Palmer is very much like, yes, I'm here. You're going to yes. see me. You're going to perceive me. And he's like, mm, you know, this yeah. is not, this is not where I thrive. And this is not my environment. And I think also it has a part, plays a part in how his dad passed away and maybe he wasn't ready to take up and be that lead man yet he was still learning from his dad and then i think kiki just saw it emerald just saw it as an opportunity to you know pub herself and get really maybe put her feet both in back in this business because who knows what she was doing before why was she late we don't know yeah 
And then um, from there, we follow. What uh, was the silver thing? Because they oh, put yeah. something. That is was, it like desensitizing the horse, you think? That was for lighting. Lighting? I believe, uh, with the production side of things. But they got it so close to the horse to where the horse is freaking out. Because that's the whole introduction of like, you don't look a horse in the eye. And you mm. don't scare it with these things too close to it. Because it gets scared by loud noises, which comes back with that monkey storyline later. And mm. then the uh, light thing, which startles the horse because it's so close to its face. Okay. And then he, I thought he was going to kick a person. He kicked the makeup bag. Yeah. I, I thought it was, was an opportunity. <laughs> opportunity for like a comedic, you know, a person flying. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was still, it still did its job. Mm. And then from there, they kind of, uh, well, they stick, they stick together. So Kiki Palmer's character decides to stay. She's like, doesn't she say she got to get some things if she's about to yeah. leave in the morning or something? And um, so then OJ decides he's going to go take this horse, the same one they were just doing in the commercial, with uh, to Stephen Young. And that's where we get the introduction to that character. Because Stephen Young has like this little, I guess, amusement park. What would you even call that? It's like this roadside attraction. Yeah. Very, it just felt like this very, like... It's reminiscent of the sitcom he was in, right? Because yeah. his character is named Ricky Park. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Ricky something. Park. It's like based off that sitcom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he was in a bunch of sitcoms as a kid, and that's what got him his fame, and that's his whole relationship to fame. And he's the uh, the monkey in the what well, I don't know what that sitcom was called. He said the name, but it was kind of like one of those family sitcoms. Like yeah. Oh, here's and they the family. always have they do like crazy that, things. That tagline, and the tagline was no, because like I think from the little little context we got was that his character was always shot down. Like nope, and then the other girl all her ideas would be uplifted, but his is shot down. And I think that's like kind of problematic too. And it speaks to sitcoms because he's the only Asian boy on the set, only person of color on the set and he's getting shot down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting to like tie in old problematic sitcoms. Yeah. You know yes. what I mean? And I think that's where a lot of, a lot of the messaging isn't necessarily like society, but it's more industry stuff. A mm-hmm. lot of yes. Jordan Peele, like kind of peeling back the curtain on what really happens in Hollywood. Yes. Cause I feel like a, you know, not everyone knows what happens in Hollywood. And I think that's that leads us to the next part where they go to um, sell the horse or negotiate mm-hmm. the horse. And he's like, well, let me take you through what the what happened on set. Or Kiki wanted, Emerald wanted to know what actually happened. And he like kind of like fades out. And I thought that was a good, I think, did it create suspense? I would say it created more mystery yeah. than suspense. Because yes. it wasn't like... I was scared what was going to happen, but it's like, I want to know more about this character and how does this relate yes. to the grand scheme of things? Because ultimately, the monkey storyline has nothing to do with the aliens. Yeah. Yes. It's its own study with the character that Steven Young was playing. Yes. Hmm. Do you think it has nothing to do? Because I could see how the loud noise connects to, like, the loud noise. I think the balloon popped, set the monkey mm. off, and then the loud noise with the horse sets them off. Or the ringing, or they hear the screaming, so that sets them running. I guess that goes towards the whole concept of the predatory, like, don't look a predator in the eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm more saying, like, it has no direct correlation to the okay. story. Yeah. Because it does have, in the terms of, like, the whole theme of don't, looking, don't look a predator in the eye, so don't look the horse in the eye, don't look the monkey in the eye, don't look this alien in the eye. Um, but ultimately, like, this monkey storyline just serves as... Because Stephen Young's whole purpose, I feel like, was to be that message of fame gone wrong yes. as well as peeling back what's wrong with the industry because and trauma yeah and trauma it's interesting because like whenever he does he takes kiki palmer emerald and um oj he takes them both into his um this the hidden little, room <laughs> this little hidden room which is so eerie but inside it's like all of this memorabilia is there always like a hidden room in each of the films 
Because I'm thinking like good out, there's like, yes. the, you know, the chair the, and yeah. then oh, yes, us, there's like a, the, the classroom. And then so there's yeah. this, I mean, yeah. loose, loose. I think he just follows the same structure. Yeah. You know what I mean? But we go into this room and it's this, it's like a trophy room. It's this like a lot of very um positive memorabilia about this this monkey. What was the monkey's name? I don't remember. It was a G. Gordy. 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 Down. Gordy. And I think, because um, that's his, I remember from Get Out, there was a trophy room too. So yes. that's a whole bunch of Easter eggs. Because I remember vividly that shoe was still standing straight yes, up. Yes, was, yeah. That was freak. And it just, cre- I think he just added it in there because it's creepy. And that is very creepy yeah. to still have it up like yeah. that. So, you know, you're, there's going to be YouTube videos in the next coming weeks. This artifact means this. And this is what he's talking about <laughs> yeah. and that. But it's really just like artifacts are creepy you know what i mean like and a, explained yeah <laughs> you know he's just gonna be on youtube like i didn't mean that like, <laughs> you know, guys stop overthinking it. yeah <laughs> it's just aliens just just weird but yeah we're introduced to his backstory and um it's, it's dark yeah it's so dark but it's interesting this person who is like like, I mean, he's profiting off of it because he mentions like, oh, there's a couple that came and spent the night in this room. They paid 50K a night, which mm-hmm. is insane for this very tiny, very tiny room, like smaller than an average hotel. I mean, unless like they weren't showing us part of the room. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, it's just this like this room dedicated to all this memorabilia about this monkey and who is known for this very gruesome event and this very traumatizing event in his life. But because I'm sure it did bring him some sort of prominence as the kid who survived the monkey attack on the set of this sitcom. And so he's grown up to kind of, that's like a very positive. It reminds me of people's fascination with true crime. You know, how like people are just so drawn to just negative events or traumatic events. Like they're like, oh, I want to get as close to the scene as possible. So I think he capitalizes on that that trophy room and yes. just makes it another attraction for yes. people to dig into. But I think it's so writing. interesting because, I mean, I guess, spoiler alert, because I'm kind of going to talk about Stephen Young's arc. By the time he dies later on in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, you see the start of his storyline. He's, like, taken hold of his trauma and taken charge of it. Mm-hmm. But by the end, when the alien doesn't follow what he is desiring, it basically is another monkey situation for him. And at that point you can see on his face like the trauma never truly left even though he tried to take control of it and i think it's just so interesting because that is a terrifying thing for that character that the same thing that happened to him as a kid happened to him as an adult Adult. yes and i sorry no i think it's interesting because he did look gordy in the face and gordy gave him you know a fist pump he chose to spare him and so you know you're thinking, oh, I'm looking at this one in the face. Like, we cool. I can look at you. you we, maybe I'll get pardoned again. And that did not happen. He got sucked right in. I didn't even consider so that. So it's like, it's like the, what does that mean? That did he lose his innocence? Is it because he became the exploiter and not, you know, the, the one on the other side? So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, interesting. especially because the whole storyline for Stephen Young revolves around with this amusement park he has. He's been taking these horses from uh, the ranch and feeding them to the alien, as you find out later, and putting on a show for people to watch the alien take the horse, and everyone's fascinated by it. But uh, at a certain point in the movie, he's got like an audience of 40 people, and he's doing the typical alien show, and the alien just comes over, doesn't listen this time, and eats all 40 people. Mm. And I, I think, like you are saying, just that parallel of he has now become the person using this creature for something that they don't want to do. 
But that poor, his poor co-star, what does she do? Yeah. She, she gets <laughs> brutalized by Gordy and then all of a sudden, this one just comes, sucks her, like, finishes the job. She's like, crap. No, for real. <laughs> not like, again. not this again. That was so funny. I Because I remember that shot of seeing her in the um the trailer. She's like, and thinking, yeah. Yeah, and thinking like, oh, who is, who is this going to be? Is yeah. this going to be, like, a character? Just It felt very out of place and very, and then you find out very soon when he points he's like oh it's my first my first, first ever crush. crush yeah, yeah. Which, which i, I think was that was a complaint of mine for this really i felt like that was just kind of a character to throw you off in the trailers yeah and oh, I, I feel like the use of that character i would have preferred and i mean this sounds dark but i would have preferred if the character had died in the backstory and just mm. hadn't been introduced hmm. because i felt like there was not really a purpose to it Except to be like, oh, we tricked you. You thought this was going to be something else. And now maybe there's something deeper in it that I don't recognize. But to me, it just felt kind of like Jordan Peele throwing that in as like a red herring. Yeah, it would have been sick, but kind of comedic if she was like the last person to get sucked by the alien. Oh, that would have been cool. Like, you know, she <laughs> might survive, you know, teasing that. But yeah, I, I can kind of see. But to, to me also, it's like, could the story have been told without Ricky and this Gordy plot? in the first place that's true you know I, I mean? but then i'm like okay his character was the one that drew it out every night you know yeah, kept feeding yeah. it so i'm like who's like he's who knows mm-hmm, he's he's the trigger um and even before all this like the alien is still attacking which that night i'm gonna jump back do you care if i jump back yeah. to the story um so at that night after he did he sell the horse to steven yon and that's it yeah that was lucky he sold lucky okay. um clover gets out of the little cage or the arena because they're like why is clover in the arena where are you going yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they hear screams like the horse is screaming mm-hmm. and it got abducted by the alien at night and uh <laughs> oj's like okay yeah and goes and tells his sister and she's like you're kidding me so they get surveillance cameras yes mm-hmm. And then is that before or after his kids come and spook him? Were those his kids or Stephen Young's kids? Oh, uh, that's what I meant. Okay, Ricky's kids. The part they family. did. I don't think they had. I think they had served because they stole. They they mainly came over to their property because they stole the horse. I think they got yeah. the surveillance camera first, and then and stole the kids. Okay, do that. Yeah, because i like that that was cute that was that cute was so and that was a very like comedic that felt because we were all like here we go it's yeah. starting yeah <laughs> I, I, and they were very unnerving and i thought it was also funny that like we see them in those costumes later mm-hmm. and we see the little um, plushies the plushies it's clearly like you know some sort of little like thing that steven young's character has profited off yeah of. but it was it was just so funny and like i think everyone in the theater i feel like that made like the biggest reaction from everyone we was that loud. scene no everyone was like just like screaming at it like every like because you just see the scene where he's like very unnerving like it reminded me of like have y'all seen that picture of like a naked owl yeah yeah that's in the you know <laughs> you know what i'm talking about like it, that's what that those creatures reminded me of and it was just so scary and then of course the studio could just be yeah because they get those surveillance cameras, and then the first night of having them, um, the lights are flickering in the horse. I don't know. What do you call that? Like the horse, not storage unit. The stable? <laughs> the stable. Mm-hmm. Horse storage, <laughs> storage unit. But, um, and so OJ goes in there to flick the lights, and that's when these aliens start poking out. There's like this little alien that is like trash can form, mm. pops out, and like walks really creepily. Th- it's freaky. It's so freaky. Um, and then he punches one in the face yeah, at the end is. of that scene, and it's the kids. We realize. I think he's really playing into, you thought this was an alien movie. You yeah. know what I mean? Gonna get it feeding into our already 
preconceived notions of what we think yes. we're getting into because we see the distorted the what's it called deform her her deformed face and thinking oh this is what it does to humans or mm-hmm. whatever and then he has to kind of like knack away at all of those saying like this this movie's completely different it's not yes. what you're expecting which i think seeing that first trailer and not seeing the second trailer ultimately makes that more rewarding yeah because otherwise if you saw that second trailer you're like well, what was the point of this you know but i think i saw the second trailer briefly because i remember the shopping scene when she's like we're gonna get them or um yeah where they're just buying all the cameras and then the, the introduction to angel and i think that relationship was very interesting too yeah and like how they were kind of like oh this is for us like this is our chance to opening up to everybody else you know getting that extra help mm-hmm. yes but yeah what was, what was the next after clover it was ghost i feel like we should dive into angel real quick okay because angel is introduced in the clover storyline so angel's this guy who works at fry's computers which there's so much branding all of this movie fry's electronics fries or fry's electronics yeah Yeah. that's very 90s yeah (laughs) no because fry's i feel like was a big thing from my childhood because i had a fry's right next to my house me and my parents would always Mm. go it was like and now of course it's closed down it's our it might be open i don't know but i haven't (laughs) been in at least a decade and that was like a cool little like well now they're used for mostly like gamers buying computer parts which is why it was funny when you get introduced to his apartment later because he's got like gaming pcs Mm -hmm. and the vr headset Um, very nostalgic yeah adding to the because also we missed the the flip phone like yeah i i this is like the tiktok in me i'm like oh cute aesthetic like Like, (laughs) 90s core you know what i mean (laughs) like he's just trying to be different like you know i know you got a smartphone in the back (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's like that's actually the time period yeah and i think that weaves in i think we just missed that part yeah before. Yeah. yeah yeah um but anyway he's a fun character he's introduced by talking about how he got dumped and he's while he's hooking up their security cameras he, he goes up to oj and goes this was her look out for her she's an actress and model i'm just sitting there going this poor guy <laughs> you poor guy you were probably at fault but this poor guy. that's a character i did not expect to like as much as i did i kind of felt like the same way, but like he kind of became this cousin figure. I don't know why, yes. but it just stuck out to me. Like that would be my cousin in a situation, and I feel like they have a relationship where they kind of felt like family. Yeah, the three yes. of them together. Especially, I thought um, him and Emerald's dynamic was very interesting because there's that scene where they're in the house, and that's when the blood starts pouring down the sides of the house, which is this very like. I thought it was. I I kind of agreed with you. I thought it was really like this beautiful. <laughs> I don't want to say beautiful because no, it was beautiful. But it was this very like cathartic scene of just like, and it was just like a really okay, <laughs> okay. That's too. It's too like biblical. You know what I that's mean? Yeah, more. that's very true. That's very true. Okay, maybe not. Maybe beautiful. Is, I mean more like visually, like beautiful. Like the yeah. it's the blood going down the window. It's like that's the closest we're gonna get to horror mm. in this film, which I thought was really interesting. But it's like um, him and Emerald are going back and forth. And Emerald's like, we need to leave. We need to go. And then he's like, no, the whole reason we're okay is because we stayed in the house. And they're kind of going back and forth. And they're kind of um, bickering in this very sibling-like way, Mm -hmm. which I think is an interesting way to think about it. I thought it was interesting how he still helped them because they weren't Mm -hmm. giving him anything at the store. They're like, you know, nope, nope, we're good. Like, let's just keep, no, thank you. No, thank you. Like, (laughs) Five stars. (laughs) No, for real. If I wasn't, if I was him, I don't think I'd help these people out. But then I thought, they needed an outsider. Yes. Who understood them. Because I, I can't imagine them like 
when you see something in the sky and you're freaked out, your first reaction, you know, call the authorities, call yes. somebody else who can handle this, has the power, but they really didn't want to call anybody, mm-hmm. but they, he's the only one who could understand and, and believe them. I think cause he gave him that hint yes. or they said like, Oh, we don't believe in those like talking about UFOs, alien sightings that gave them a way to trust him and let him in. Um, and I think they, they did need that because I can't imagine them just doing this by themselves or just doing it by themselves and then inviting that filmmaker mm-hmm. into yes. the space without a third support system. He, um, he seemed, they don't really go into it, but I kind of got from Angel that he might have been some sort of like kind of a conspiracy theorist, yeah. an alien chaser. I don't know if there's a term for that. Like someone who, like he seemed like, an alien truther. Like mm. I like I definitely saw that in him and I think that was kind of cool. Like someone who's like, very much enabling them. He's like and he's like sitting there at Fry's like watching the computer. Yeah. He's you know? eating it up. No, yeah. he's eating it up. Like it's and because I think for him it's the same thing and we could we can go back to this topic of like kind of getting the shot, which is something they talk about a lot. Um, which is ironic because ultimately we find out that you can't look at the creature that's how it gets you yeah you can't look at it but the whole movie they're trying to get the shot the oprah shot yeah um they're calling it and um i guess for him for someone who i don't know if they go into his like goals as a person Not really. i don't think they really do he's just but, kind of comedic relief. but i think the comedic relief and i think like a part of him as someone who does kind of seem like someone who's who wants to chase a conspiracy or aliens or whatever it may be like he kind of wants the shot as well to kind of like prove his own theory. I think he's rooting for him. Yes. Mm-hmm. For them. Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, which I and he's outside the in- industry. Too. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I think he becomes this very like infectious character. I really loved. Um, and I think the fact that he's like still talking highly of his girlfriend that's trying to achieve her dreams and he's yeah. like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here to support, you know, my heart is broken. I don't want anybody else to not, to feel like how I'm feeling. So. I got dumped. This is better than crying <laughs> at home or playing video games. So let's see what this is about. He's ultimately yeah. just such, I would say, the most wholesome character in the yes. in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, what was the next title card then? Um, Gordy. So that's when they really break down into it. Or after Clover? or After Clover. Clover, then Ghost, then, then Gordy, Ghost. then Lucky, then Jean Jacket. Ghost was just, what did they do with the, the white horse? Um, they got eaten, right? Ghost, oh. Ghost got eaten. Ghost got eaten? Mm-hmm. Oh. Because he... Rest in peace, Ghost. Yeah. I don't... That I don't know why. I think we're blending things between we Clover and, and Ghost. Definitely. But then we have the monkey breakdown with Gordy. Mm-hmm. And then Lucky is when... Because um, Lucky didn't get eaten. And yeah. that's why I'm like, is Lucky blind? I think I think that that is a very good possibility. That's Which would make sense why, is why he it called Lucky. Lucky. Yeah. Because... Lucky. Yeah. Well, I guess he had to happens... turn the horse around, but yeah. I'm like, that could just be a him thing. That's fair. Did he, did he, did he, oh yeah, because, oh, no, he's definitely blind. Because so? he rode Lucky away from the alien later, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Lucky was just sitting out there and didn't leave, and the alien didn't even try to attack it. It was just exactly. trying to attack OJ. I think it might actually, yeah, it might be a blind horse. They so just I, never yeah. explicitly that's like, say that's it. That's like, that's the best, you know, like, Easter egg from Jordan Peele. Like, that's what I'm thinking I'm picking up that you <laughs> wrote in there. I caught you. But <laughs> caught you, Jordan Peele. Like, I have to come on the podcast. He's like, no, nah, the horse is not blind. <laughs> no. I feel like maybe they'd explain it more. I think that's a very real possibility. Yeah. Because I'm like, why didn't the horse get taken? Because the other horses did. Yeah. 
And the only argument you can make for why Lucky doesn't get taken is the box Stephen Young puts him in. But even then, like, there's a later scene where he's not in a box. He's just out in the open. And then at the very end, he's still riding Lucky. Yeah. I'm like, maybe yeah. it's just because his name's Lucky, so he's Lucky, he's lucky he's Horse. Lucky. Which would be I, fun, too. Yeah. I really, I, I can't wait for it. And I feel like this is something that more intellectual people than me will break down. But I want, I really want to know, like, the back, like, if the significance behind the names of the horses. Yeah. And the symbolism. Because I'm sure someone's going to break it down. There's going to be so much symbolism in the names. Because I guess you could say Lucky. He was lucky. He didn't get eaten. Clover, I guess, is another lucky, kind of, like. But not unlucky. Yeah. Not, not lucky. <laughs> and I think it was interesting, too, with the naming of the characters. I don't know why she was named Emerald, but OJ during the 90s. That's funny. And I, I was cracking up at uh, Emerald's yelling, run, OJ, run! Like, you know, just given the court case and everything that's happened with that name, I thought it was so funny. And then he's on a horse, mm-hmm. and OJ rode a Ford Bronco with a horse. So it's just like, those rep- pop culture references, mm-hmm. I thought, were so funny and fulfilling. Um, what was I going to say? <laughs> and then also, when the blood was coming down the, ho- the house, we see catch her look at her mom. So is maybe yes. one of the horses named after the mom? Like, oh, is yes. that the mom? I noticed that because they really didn't elaborate on that at all. Like, they didn't go into what happened to the mom, I don't believe. Is it the mom mm-hmm. or the grandma? Like, was that his wife? Yeah. That's a good point. I don't know. I guess, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's supposed to be left a mystery, I guess. Uh, yeah. I wonder what Peel's intention with that was. Okay, I think we need to talk about the director. I don't remember the character's name. The white man, he's like... I would say oh, let's... Because we also have the moments where... Because um, we, we do need to talk about the house bit. Because they actually get the house bit done before they call the editor. Or the okay. director, the yeah, cinematographer. Yeah. And then there's also one other thing I completely forget. Basically, they set up the cameras. They set up a decoy horse. Um, the alien takes this decoy horse. And you'll find out later. It rejects it. Uh, that's important. Basically, a lot mm. of shenanigans go down with like a grasshopper on a camera it's funny scene they're trying to get the alien out of there yeah to show itself and then we go to like we were saying that earlier scene with steven young in the fair and it picks up the 40 people during his show of trying to show off the alien turns out steven young like we said is feeding this alien for his little carnival pop-up carnival thing and um, it eats these 40 people and then it goes back to the ranch and that's kind of where this starts to break down we never mentioned whenever this alien gets close to anything it's got this anti or it's got this is it anti-electric magnetic field yeah where it basically every device shuts off yeah even yes. cars down mm-hmm. to cars and cell phones even everything yes. battery operated mm-hmm. anything electrical and yeah. so it flies over their house and you can hear this is the creepiest thing to me actually can i break down why this was a scary movie because now we're yeah, kind of yeah, at the part right. so um for me this was a terrifying movie the other two movies were creepy but they didn't quite terrify me and it's because this was like the whole Creature features scare me. Mm. And by this point, we kind of know it's a creature. And um, this is like Jordan Peele's Jaws. Because every time you see it come out of the sky, the music's playing. Uh, You don't see it in the clouds. The clouds are like the water. I mean, this is Sky Jaws. And um, in this scene, like whenever it eats somebody, you hear them screaming from inside because they are slowly getting digested and crunched up. And when this cloud flies over the house, you hear all of them screaming. And you have um, Emerald and... Uh, angel inside the house and you just hear this loud crunch and that's when this blood comes raining out of this cloud onto the house and i feel like that's the like you were saying the too biblical i think that was like definitely on purpose on jordan peele's part with the cloud raining blood um yeah that was an intense scene and i think like i was saying what scares me jaws was like one of my first horror movies when i was a little kid yeah and 
ever since then it scared me for some reason something about it always scares me and so that's why this movie was terrifying to me because it's something we can't control Mm -hmm. has a mind of its own and just acts on its own instincts just like people do jaws and snakes on a plane snakes on the plane freaked me out yeah (laughs) but it's good thing that you say that because also the kind of tying a little bit backwards um i think their jaws moment was i tried to write this in my review was like oh he brought remember they were like hyping each other up like he brought the non-electrical camera like let it go like <laughs> yeah. and that's the equivalent to to jaws you know you're gonna need a bigger boat you oh, know just realizing right, yeah. the equipment does not match up mm-hmm. and recognizing we're in for a lot more than we thought and i think that shifts the audience too like this is not our typical alien movie like this is impossible this is a challenge but we're gonna strap in and, and get the shot and i think that was a good shift mm-hmm. after yeah also i don't want to say that i don't want to say that the um the harm that like i'm not i don't want to say that they asked for the alien to be um to be like aggressive toward them but i i think that in this film the creature was less of an aggressor than in other films because truly it felt like the alien was primarily focused on the area on that area mm-hmm. that's what i understood that it was focused on that valley where they were living do you think they asked for it i don't think they asked for it but it did seem like they could have left oh um, and it seemed like they were very motivated to get the shot which i think is a further kind of i'm just i'm really big on like the theme and i think with any jordan peele movie there's going to be multiple messages that he's going to get across but i think I the one that I primarily took away was the pursuit of fame. Yeah. And fame felt wrong. And it just it felt like because even even Kiki Palmer, even Emerald says, Oh, we can we can leave. Like we we should leave. And then um OJ was like, We still need to feed the horses. We need to go back. It just felt like they could have left. They could have abandoned the valley and kind of left the aliens be. But they wanted to get this shot. They wanted to keep chasing it. They wanted to keep... And that's not to say that they deserve to get eaten by aliens. Um, but bad. that's kind of that's kind of how I... That's what I thought was really interesting about this was there was like a study on, oh, like they are still trying to get the shot. It just hit me that it's like critiquing the spectacle and how yes. obsessed we are as a society. Like they were saying like, mm-hmm. oh, the fuzzy video is not enough. We need undeniable proof. And yes. it that kind of ties back very loosely um just to everything that's going on social commentary you know what different events happening in the news you know covid police brutality different rights being taken away it's like oh you know people beforehand had this notion this could never happen here this could never happen in my neighborhood i don't believe in aliens i don't believe in the disease like it doesn't happen until like there's undeniable proof and i think it's commenting on you know people's obsession with the spectacle and actually getting proof that what they're what they're experiencing is reality yeah and then our consumption of the the spectacle and attention Mm -hmm. and entertainment the most the links will go to for entertainment and i think the the director the cinematographer he played into that with the industry side too yeah it's the whole idea of like surveillance culture like you're saying Mm -hmm. we have to see everything to believe it nowadays and it's it's almost like um you know, they're, they quite literally get surveillance cameras to prove this. And I think it's kind of an indictment on us to be like, Hey, you know, y'all film everything you do instead of living in the moment sometimes. And I think it's simultaneously, it's got that, you know, it's good, but it's bad kind of taste to it. I think it ties back to this age too. Cause it was set in the nineties. Like who would have thought was it set in the 
90s? I thought it was 2000 still. Because it was like a 4K well, security camera. I remember camera. it went to 1998. That's when the Gordy title sequence oh, sequence. I think that's set. the show, though. Yeah, so yeah. maybe it was just like early 2000s. 90s, okay. early 2000s. But even like before 2010, anybody having that many security cameras would be ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Even in the country bumpkins, like I don't think they have that many. Even now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But that was a kind of a connection between today's culture. Like, we're like, oh, this is normalized. Like, yeah, go get them cameras. Go see who's messing with y'all. <laughs> yeah, and what's I, going on? I honestly think that that's why... Because do they say in the movie, like, what year it's... It has to be said. 2022 or 2021 because Stephen Young would not be the age he is because he was a kid in 98. Oh, yes. wow. So he has to be in his late 20s, which I would assume it's, like, yeah, 2018 or higher. Really? I would feel... Because it's, four, it's 4K a, security cam. Well, because people still use... I have a friend with a flip phone. Okay. Let's I see. Think, the timeline is just... And because that would fit the conspiracy theorist thing because he doesn't want the government or whatever tracking his phone. Hmm. Because, like, in there, that whole conspiracy theory that the government... Well, I mean, it's, I guess, surveillance of, like, the government knowing our data and stuff. But maybe he's a very purist when it comes to his data. Then another question is, why didn't they grab a gun? <laughs> no. There were no guns in this movie. I feel like that might have that, been on that's purpose. exactly... No, there was a gun. The monkey. That's exactly... Okay, that's... that's yeah, that was But it was one. off screen. Yeah. So it's very, like, tasteful. And that's the, that's another thing is in this film, because I think in a lot of creature features, they're ki- primarily concerned with taking down the creature. In this one, they didn't seem concerned with taking it down. They more seemed, we want to prove, we want people to believe us, that we want to prove the validity. I think it creatures. goes back to they wanted to find a way to exploit the creature. Mm-hmm. Yes. The same thing. They were using the monkey... Man. They're using the horses, even though it's like not that bad. They're going to use this creature and mo- like, what's it called? Mobilize it for their benefit. Yeah. I, one thing I noticed, um, and I don't know if this was intentional. I just, I noticed there was a lot of eyes, like eye um, imagery. Like circular? symbolism. Mm-hmm. Even like the. The record player. The record player. Ooh, OJ, yeah. or the OJ senior, I think was his name. The father. Mm-hmm. Um, getting the. Coin through the eye. Yeah. And then there was even a shot a where ball. the director. Yes. Um, and then there was a shot with the director. I do not remember his name. What is the, the character's he's, name? He's a cinematographer. He's, he's not the director. I forget mm-hmm. his I'll look it up while you're chatting. Um, I thought he was funny. I thought but there was there was a scene where he was sitting and I just noticed that because um there was a scene where he was sitting at his computer because and that was another thing that kind of goes back to this exploiting creatures and kind of doing anything for people like the spectacle of like shock value because we see him a lot and he's watching this footage of this very like gruesome animal footage of like a snake biting a tiger and it's mm-hmm. very bloody but then there's this one shot where he's sitting and he's flipping through like video footage and it's a bunch of eyes it's all animal mm-hmm. eyes mm-hmm. Um, and then That's that kind of ties into the whole oh we can't it's like th- that kind of ties into the theme of these characters are doing the most to get the shot and get footage, get visual footage of the creature. And then the irony of, oh, you need to protect yourself by not looking at it. Yeah. And so interesting. I thought that there was a lot of like eye symbolism, which I thought was really cool. His name's Antlers Holst. Antlers Holst? That's the cinematographer. And maybe he was a director. I thought he was a cinematographer. because he was. He was, well, he, was, he was a director on the movie set. That's how I met them. Right? I thought he was a cinematographer on the set. I mean, it's not really a big detail. Yeah, whatever. Antlers but... <laughs> is his name, though, which makes sense considering how, like, how animalistic he is. Yeah, honestly, he was kind of a predator in his own right. Yeah, and I think it was that it was so funny. I I thought it was hilarious how there was a line in 
you know, they're pitching their what they wanted him to film. And she said, um, she said like reality TV. And then he was like, no, say documentary. And then she was like, documentary. Cause it's like, you know, there's a very thin line between documentary and reality and who's the auteur of this film. So they're like, oh, we want your eye. We want what you want to capture. You're going to help us come to our vision of what we want to create. But I thought that was very comedic and comments on the industry of like what determines something as reality versus documentary. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I think, um, well, they hatch a whole scheme to basically stop this alien, which is why they bring in the film. And I think ultimately his demise, which is like no one can have the impossible or something. Uh, and he's like filming and looks directly at the alien and starts sucking him up. I feel like that's the whole commentary on um, Jordan Peele kind of talking about how artists tend to want to hide their work from everyone so that no one can copy them or no one can mimic them or something. That's kind of how I took it. Hmm. Um, Cause like ultimately a lot of his movies reference other movies and they're still original yeah. works, but they always have callbacks and references. And to me, it kind of that character as fun as he was. And as much as I liked him still felt like, all the toxic elements of Hollywood in one yeah, character. Yeah, definitely. It was just, even his, his little voice just, yeah, the really... just triggering you know, from the industry. I think um, he was obsessed with getting what nobody else could. And I think a lot of documentarians or documentary people are obsessed with getting the unseen, you know, the, the exclusive, like, oh, first ever shot on this camera. And it just really embodied the medium of documentary and yeah. what's actually you know to what extent because also early documentary films and archival work it shows like heavy exploitation of people that the subjects that they are viewing mm -hmm. and the documentarians don't always view them as people or in the most humane ways so because they're just exploiting them they're like oh i deserve this i deserve this shot i don't care how much in your face i'm gonna get i'm gonna get what i want and mm -hmm. with no regards to who they're actually shooting and I think yeah. he's eaten alive by that want to to be yeah. that person. Yeah. I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. I thought that was just a very interesting scene. Um, and I feel like that character, that character was so eerie. And I, and I honestly thought that that was going to go into a different direction because right before he gets sucked up, right before he kind of goes over, he starts saying things. Mm, cryptic. He starts saying very cryptic things. I don't remember, but it was something along the lines of the light. I thought he was possessed. Really? Or not possessed, yeah. but like mind controlled or something. I hmm. thought in that moment it was going to take a very different turn and maybe it was just, he was, um, he's just I crazy. Saw, I, yeah. saw, I saw something. I saw someone was talking about a quote where he was like, I'm going to find it actually. I thought he was going to take the film that he got and run, you know, like say it's his. That would have been With no either. credit yeah. of the Haywoods. Like, that's where my mind went. I was like, you better get him because he's been a mess all over. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're going to have to battle off. like two different things. Yeah. I thought there was going to be a third dynamic, dynamic, but it was really just the people versus the thing in the sky. You know, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't no inter conflict. And I thought he was going to be the, the person to like, you know, kind of take control of the narrative mm -hmm. and be like, this is mine. Um, I don't know what y'all are talking about because he, he is established in the industry and he can kind of just put the closed doors on them forever yeah how well how do you think then do you like the direction it did take or would you have preferred it go the other way because i think i like the way it took but... i like the way it took because i think if it went any other way it would it would have been a, a race film it would have commented more on that you know what i yeah. mean um and just you know the role of white men in, in the industry and how they think you know everything's theirs or 
they're not open to criticism or you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it would comment more on that than actually the story of the industry as a whole and just people. It would have been a tone just, shift. Yeah. It would have been a completely different. I think this this was the best way. And it was kind of beautiful in a sick way. Yeah. Because you they, they put you in the perspective of what the camera's seeing as he's getting eaten. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found the quote. So he says in that scene, he says, and I believe this is in the scene. He might have said this earlier. Hmm. Um, um, but he says, this dream you're chasing, we end up at the top of the mountain. It's the one you never wake up from. Which I think is very um, interesting because I believe he says that to another character. I believe he says that to either... Um, it was Emerald on the phone when yeah. they first called. I believe called. he says that to Emerald. But then that ends up being his demise because he's the one who tries to get as close as possible. And he's the one who ends up suffering. He literally thing. goes on the hill. He yeah. literally goes up the hill. <laughs> and he, dies and he chases. He's chasing that, the shot. And then he... Because um, he's just... Beforehand, he's just sitting there, you know, looking through all of his, his film, trying yes. to get what he's trying to achieve. Yes. That's so poetic. He's unfulfilled. Yes. Yeah. yeah, this is like the whole story of Hollywood people shooting themselves in the foot, basically, yes. yeah. like and it wanting almost, something and chasing it so much to where it destroys them. And it almost seemed it's interesting because we first meet him at the very beginning, and he's the cinematographer for this, and it's unclear if they're shooting. It seemed like they're, they might be shooting a movie. I thought it was a deodorant or commercial, like some sort of commercial. <laughs> and I feel like it's interesting because. I almost think of him maybe as this unfulfilled director, this unfulfilled artist, because he's he's shooting up something at the beginning that doesn't seem to have a lot of substance. Mm -hmm. And then we see him in his private, like his own private space, and he's watching this really unnerving footage uh, that we already talked about with the eyes and the animals fighting. And then it almost seems like here he's almost given the opportunity to kind of pursue his own work and have his own creative agency, which is something maybe he's not granted a lot as an artist. Um, and so that's why he's so motivated to chase this because he is kind of like a pride thing for him as an artist. Yeah. Very much. And then it's kind of cool to see the contrast between him and there's this one guy in the middle of their plan who comes on a motorcycle yeah. into the ranch, which oh. is private property, by the way, yeah. uh, which I know it's intentional because of who the character is. That provided the inner conflict. Like they still had to fight somebody. They weren't really fighting him. They were just like, hey, dude you might want to get back don't go that way like you, yeah. we're not saying you gotta go i mean we want you to go but just don't go that way because you're gonna fall into the trap and so he couldn't see and i think it was so interesting from his final moments he couldn't see how being obsessed with getting this shot would be the death of him mm -hmm. yes and i think um yeah which kind of it might be dark but his death was kind of funny yeah, he was like, no camera. Did you get it? Like, did you get it on? Did you get it? On? He's riding his motorcycle like sixty miles per hour, and they tell him not to go that way. And then, um, I mean, obviously the way physics works, <laughs> which I can appreciate because most movies would have ignored that. But he's riding through, and the alien cuts the power to his motorcycle, and he just gets launched. Right. I think it, I think he's like, he was like, ah, like the screaming. They go, oh, he's dead, like, and then you hear him go, ah. <laughs> wonder if that like that character because we only see him very briefly yeah but if it was almost like a commentary on like um like social media users i think kind so of, because he was very anonymous and it was almost like i found him kind of unnerving because it was just the way his helmet was completely yeah. reflective we have no idea who he is and we only hear his voice which is very monotone as well in mm -hmm. my opinion and it almost felt like um he kind of like served this like role of maybe symbolizing maybe like a social media person who's just kind of 
poking their like nose into things and feels entitled to this information which i think is like something a lot of people in like with like this age of constant 24 7 news cycle and just accessible media at your fingertips that you don't really know if it's true or not and i feel like a lot of people feel entitled to information which is i know is like a big moral debate right now um but i think that that might have been his purpose and maybe and i'm sure he might have served many purposes but i think like the fact that even like after his death, we never see him. He mm-hmm. is a character that is purely anonymous. We never hear a name. We never even fully know who he is, and we only know he's there just to get information. We yeah. don't even know if that's just for him or if that's for a news organization. We truly don't know. I have a theory. It was added in because this movie was shot, and I believe twenty nineteen, because mm-hmm. this was before COVID, and then it got delayed. Um, and I have to look that up to be for certain so don't quote me on that but i have a hunch that that was added in solely for what you're saying the social media thing because that was around the time they're filming this is when tiktok was blowing up Mm. tiktok was first becoming the mainstream of like we're gonna ban it and stuff and everyone's filming these ridiculous things that they really shouldn't be filming people are filming at funerals with tiktok audios people are just filming inappropriate times yeah and i felt like ultimately as you know it worked perfectly but it felt added in to kind of be that commentary of like at the end of the day all these people doing these things on social media ultimately all they care about is the clout i think i it could possibly be added in i wouldn't put it past him to have already had it in because it reminds me again of like true crime people obsessed Mm -hmm. with like getting to the the root he said he was like um i saw this from the news in this this area i can't see from the map so he's like oh like i'm gonna go check it out um and then like it reminded me the area 51 um people storming this area that they just weren't sure of and then also there's like a, a running joke like for like black people's business, there's always gonna be a white person there, like all in it. So like he's just that. Per- I mean, we don't know his race, but it just it just assumes like there's always gonna yeah. be somebody in your business. Mm. And I thought that was funny, like that added aspect. And then it's like this yeah. is what happens when you in somebody else's business, like mind mind yours. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? You die to an alien. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I thought that was like a little like sneak thing added in for um, you know those who know with Jordan Peele. Like, yeah, yeah there's gonna mm. be consequences for being nosy. Yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, I like that. Yes. Yeah. Especially in this movie that's so like about surveillance and mm-hmm. like and just constant like spectacle, like you said. And it's, it's interesting because I think that's the first time comparing like to his other two films, there's no really other outsider that just happens to just walk up or think there's something suspicious going on. Yes. This is the first movie that's like he's like, Oh, there's something suspicious. What's going on? You know <laughs> yes. what I mean? And his character could have had redeeming qualities, but he took he was obsessed with the other side of the story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and I feel like with this, and I feel like um, with this movie in particular, this kind of seems like this, if if any of them, I feel like this one specifically could be set up for a sequel, which I don't think he would ever make a sequel of this movie at all. Mm-hmm. But um, it kind of just does raise the question of how is the rest of the world reacting to this? Because we do see like a news crew That's go true. to the site um, toward the end of the movie mm-hmm. um, to the um, the roadside attraction um, where the aliens were like consuming the 40 people and so then it's kind of like oh if this is and I think that was another thing that we kind of touched on earlier of how I do think the time period and it's definitely set um, in 21st century for sure and I'm, I'm kind of assuming post 2010 definitely but it, the right, time yeah. like the specific year the specific era seems kind of ambiguous yeah because they could just be set in the past because they're out they're out in the the country it's it seems like because it 
there's so much in it about like mixing modern and kind of like vintage technology. Um, it was the flip phone, but then we had these very high definition 4K cameras, and then I'm pretty sure Kiki Palmer had an iPhone. I'm really? pretty sure she was. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think so. Because right. she mentioned YouTube, YouTube even. She was watching YouTube. YouTube okay. And, and I think she like, fell asleep sense. watching it on her iPhone. Um, but yeah, so that kind of begs the question of like, okay, well, how's the, how's the rest of the world? Because then it's this very complex thing of, oh, now it's our first interaction with aliens, mm-hmm. which is, I think, can kind of be a sin for the movie. I don't know. And the reporter had a GoPro. So it is 21st century okay. yes. now that I think about it. Because he had that gimbal with the two cameras mm-hmm. and one was yes. a GoPro. And so all they did was put up crime tape, but there was no... The reporters didn't ask them what happened. Yeah. Their police didn't show up at their door. There was no evacuation. Like they yes. kind of just left, you know. Th- yes. I thought that was pretty interesting. How do four people end up missing and not one of the family members comes to see, you know, see what's yes. going on? There's not crying there, you know. Like, how does that not bring more people? Yeah. Yes. And I think that's just maybe, you know, the movie's already two hours long. Yeah. Yeah. What did y'all think about the pace of the movie? I actually, that was another one of my complaints in the movie, even though it didn't knock the store, uh, knock my score too much. It's too long. Yeah. Uh, it it's, it really slows down after we figure out what the alien is. I thought it was slow. I don't think it was too long. Honestly, he can make a 10-hour movie. I watch it. That's fair. Multiple I watch times. it too. I, I guess, yeah, like you're saying, it's more just it felt slow. slow. I can mm-hmm. feel the two hours rather than it being, actually, because us and Get Out were close to two hours, right? Were they an hour and a half? I think Get Out was under two hours. Under I think it's like an hour and 45. Okay. Yeah. But like those don't feel long at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah, probably just more pacing than time. Yeah. yeah. I think it was just, it, you're just trying to build suspense. Because at the beginning I was like, you know, what's going on? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it it did surprise me how um, similar, or because I, whenever I was watching the trailer, I think I just expected, oh, like, it's kind of framing itself as this alien movie, and it's going to be something completely different, which it was, but... Oh, you're good, you're good. I'm just going to plug my laptop in. Ooh. Sorry. No, but I, I do think that it did end up being very much what was expected, at least for me. There were definitely facets of it that were not expected, but I think after seeing it... Like, you think okay. you were prepared? I was prepared. Really? I, I was prepared for it to be... I wasn't prepared for it necessarily to be as human-focused as it was um i didn't but, i don't think i knew what to expect but yeah. it, it was definitely like unlike anything i've ever seen i love i i truly and especially now that we've kind of unpacked it into it mm-hmm. i think i'm i reflecting back on it i enjoy it i'm remembering it in a much more positive way. i don't think you can take what you saw from the trailer and build the plot, the plot yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. that's why i was like just you know take the trailer for what it is Pretty images, you know. This film's gonna look great. Um, and it did. Performances were amazing, and oh, yeah. strap in for the ride. And ultimately, the build up to the ending after that whole plan, the ending is phenomenal. Yeah. I would say of all the Jordan Peele movies, I mean, it's obviously the least <laughs> intense. It's always like, mm-hmm. well, because I, I like the other endings more, but I think this one was such a. It just felt fulfilling the most. It, I would it say. closed. It yeah, bookends. Everything was solved. Because they the plan goes through. There's some issues along the way. Um, they get the shot. Yeah, the alien starts unwrapping itself. Oh, yeah, we forgot to talk about it that. It looked like, this goes back to the biblical. The biblical. Thing. It looked like a biblical an angel. angel. <laughs> yeah, it was terrifying. I'd have to put a picture on screen of a biblical so angel. So terrifying. But, yeah. It reminded me. It reminded me of, like, my class discussion of, like, Afrofuturist work and, like, mm-hmm. th- the way they write these otherworldly creatures in these these books of literature and he actually like 
read from Octavia Butler and was like, let me try to reproduce what she's talking about in her words. And it was spot on. Mm-hmm. And, and then have- it like altering what we think of like the saucer UFO. Like it's not just that. Yes. Like I never even thought of like a saucer UFO opening up or like plastic and bubbles, you know, messing them up. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I wouldn't think that an air balloon would make would make it combust like that. Yeah, because ultimately she, uh, Emerald sends an air balloon as well. So her brother is going to sacrifice himself. You think he's dead. He's not. Spoiler alert. Uh, but they send an air balloon up into the alien's mouth and the alien attacks it. And she's using this well to take a picture of that was at the beginning of the movie, um, which I loved how that came back. Yeah. Because um, yes. at the beginning, it was like a little funny thing. Like, haha, she photobombed someone. But at the end, she uses it to get the shot. Yes. Um, but it eats the balloon and just... Because it's mouth. We got to talk about the design of this alien. It's weird. It I is. thought I was on something. How do you weird. describe that? Like, how does he convey that from like script to post production? It reminded me of like um, you gotta draw that. Yeah, it reminded me of just like an a, anime, an ocean creature. Like, it reminded me of like some sort of like weird squid or like a flounder. Which like the avatar. Oh, <laughs> that's it. But it, it reminded me of Avatar. Yeah, avatar. Do you know those, those things in Avatar? Yeah, those flying that's like. manta rays. Yeah. Right? I yeah. think if I'm, if I'm saying the, the movie right, yeah, that's yeah. what it reminded me of. But it was I was thinking of the connection to the octopus that the cinematographer was watching because yes. mm-hmm. it, it was flowing like the octopus it, and it, it was consuming and it was like hidden. It was hidden in the clouds. Yeah, and um, octopus are very good camouflage and they're very smart. And um, the mouthpiece thing was exactly like an octopus because okay. octopi. Yeah, I think it's octopi. <laughs> no. it's like cacti. It is octopi, right? But we're still I just talking about one. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but the mouth's actually open like an octopus. Because an octopus has yeah. a beak. And this weird saucer creature thing. I don't even know what it is. It's an alien, I guess. Um, has this like, yeah. Has this like green square mouth that just unfolds itself over. Like it kept going. I was like, okay, how big is this thing's yeah. mouth? <laughs> yeah, that was bizarre. I don't. I, Nothing like I've ever I don't, seen. I would, I would love if I could ask. Mm, okay, that's a lie. But if I, if I, was, if I was able to interview Jordan. I don't think this would be my one question, but I would love to ask him, like, what was your approach for designing that yeah. monster? It was uh, beautiful. It was beautiful, and it was just so. Um, it just I the first thing I thought of, like I said, was like a sea creature, and it kind of made me like even like one of those like, um, like you know when you go to the aquarium and there's like those fish that kind of like suck to the glass and they have like that <laughs> yeah. mouth that just like sucks. It's like a suction. That's kind of what it like I thought of. Mm-hmm. Based on like its mouth, um, it was it very dynamic, complex, and not what we thought it was. Yeah, it had its own storyline. Yes, I love that. And like to further the Jaws connection in Jaws, you know, they have the air tank that blows up the shark. The inflatable is kind of the air tank for this. Like, there's yeah. your Jaws. Yeah. Like, it really is the sky Jaws. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the. Did she? She? I don't think she meant to kill it. She just knew it was gonna f him up. Like, well, she was trying know? to get it to fly over the well. Yeah. So I think she didn't mean to kill it. But when yeah. it dies, it's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And even even when it does die, I feel like I wasn't even like... Or when it does like explode, I was like, okay, but is it really dead? Because we don't even know. Like, that's, another thing with, that's another thing about <laughs> any... Um, I think what makes alien movies scary for a lot of people is like the uncertainty. Like, we don't know. So it's like, oh, well, like, does it actually die? Or can it just like kind of... Uh, what's the word like reassemble like mm-hmm. you know um and i think that that's i liked the kind of just logistical uncertainty that this movie posed okay but are there more aliens how is humanity reacting or is this going to like kickstart a whole like 
alien like shelter project thing for the rest of the planet like what's gonna happen after this i thought that that was really cool which i I think that comes with any alien movie but i really enjoyed that will they now become alien tamers exactly okay oh that was interesting instead of nope it's nopes like alien and aliens (laughs) did y'all hear what nope stand for is it not of planet, planet Earth? Earth? It actually is. I was no, right. no, I don't think oh. it actually is. I think Darn it. He, you know, <laughs> I got so just, excited. He just named the movie because, like, you know, black people in horror were just like, nope, yeah, we're, <laughs> we don't like. I know my like my family doesn't watch horror. Like, we're just very much we cool off that. Nope, <laughs> you know what I mean. Mm-mm. I like so, that more than the not of planet Earth. <laughs> yeah, I think you know that's another thing. People being creative, but yeah, what were you I saying? Got excited. Yeah. Oh, I got Sorry. so excited. Um. No, I, I you said something really interesting because we briefly okay last night we all saw it the same the same theater and we kind of we briefly got the talked same about seats it. yeah yes. I'll put a picture on the screen yes. um, <laughs> but we kind of talked about it a little bit but we were like let's save it for the pod but you said something that I thought was really interesting um, where you were saying that it was kind of like about these um, horse tamers who were then kind of learning to like train the alien yeah because well you have this whole connection with. Um... What do I always I know the actor's name. What OJ um is the character name. Uh you have this connection where he realizes, oh, just don't look it in the eye. And it's kinda like he took all his horse training and tells people, no, like be confident about this. Don't look it in the eye. Don't intimidate it. Don't make loud noises. It, we can learn to control this thing, is kind of what it felt like. Um, because you have those reflectors on the back of his hoodie, and it just feels like, at least especially for that character, it was his arc of, you know, he wanted to do bigger things than just train these horses he's doing the bigger thing quite literally of training this alien it felt like which obviously they don't train it but i wonder if there's any connection between his involvement and role in the industry um given that he trained the animals with um gordy's situation like imagine like imagine this was like they're they're wrecking in the industry like they're gonna start enforcing all these trainings about how to interact with animals oh you know gordy happened so we're gonna emphasize having trainers present to work with these animals that are not typically what's it called domesticated i mean i think a horse is very domesticated but um you know what i mean but i think that's like a loose connection yeah but and I feel like we even see, like, uh, like the concept of, like, in film, like, and I guess in just, the, yeah, I guess the film industry in general, of um, finding the next big thing. Because yeah. we see at the very beginning, the horse kind of has his little moment, Lucky. It was Lucky at the, the, the shoot. Um, but he, um, he has his little moment where he kind of gets flustered by the reflective surface, and then they immediately replace him with this um green screen horse which why they're talking to him they drag the horse behind him which is a fun visual gag that only i didn't didn't catch that oh you didn't i did not catch i think you and i were the only ones in the theater that laughed at that very like pathetic little wooden horse yeah like i was like that they were placing him with and then because they're talking to oj and it's like the serious like back and forth of you know uh, you can get another gig somewhere else we're gonna have to drop you and the whole time they're just bringing in this green like wood horse that's so funny and then also, and I mean, obviously they would probably have to do this, but I'm pretty sure they used a CGI monkey. Yeah, yeah, that, which 100%. obviously they would have had to either way because mm-hmm. they're not gonna because they shot yeah. it. Yeah. Which animal warning? They shot it. I'll put that at the beginning. Yeah. Animal cruelty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like this concept of having the next big thing in the film industry, and like especially because I think old technologies are just kind of 
we like especially now in this age of like innovation and like technological advancement we're advancing so fast you're everyone's just looking for like the next big technology the next big thing and so for horse tamers uh specifically that are like training horses to be in films when live animals are something that are so easily replaced with cgi like these people need in order for like to continue and like stay in the film industry which i think is something especially emerald wants to, is to, like remain like prevalent in the film industry yeah they need to come up with the next big thing which yeah. is like okay the next big thing is aliens like you said so it's i think that was kind of a part of it too yeah um, I think staying relevant and what you what you would do to stay relevant yes. is a major theme. I think being a fierce protector is a major theme, whether that's like the UFO and like its territory or um, the, the Haywoods, like they're they're not leaving their their place. And even um, Ricky in his park, just I'm gonna be here. You get to observe. Um, and then what was the my other main takeaway? Industry, fierce protector. I had one more takeaway. It's like escaping me. What did y'all take away from it? Like the themes. I kind of took away this concept of, well, I mean, obviously the toxicity of the industry, but also this whole thing of, you know, animal cruelty within the industry, but how animal cruelty only happens because we get greedy and because Mm -hmm. we want, like you're saying, we want the next big thing. We stop caring about the art of it and we start caring more about the money side of it and the fame, which is, I think, reflected in Stephen Young's character, which film wasn't working for him anymore. Let's make an amusement park based off of what did work for me. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it, it shows how greed is such a toxic thing that it'll make you overlook your trauma yeah, and think you are in control of yourself when ultimately those things will still come back to haunt you. And quite literally for Stephen Young, it did. Um, but not even just in a physical sense, just emotionally, it'll still haunt you. Yeah, and you just have to learn to live with it. And Stephen Young, rather than learning to live with it, tried to conquer it. Just yeah. like he people tried. Like ultimately, to me, it, it came off as this thing of trauma and grief can be their own predators. Yeah, that's good. And the ethics of like entertainment. Mm-hmm. But- yeah, what comes up to you? No, I think y'all both covered it. Just the idea that, um, like you said earlier, as humans, especially in a time with, um, uh, especially in a time with um, constant twenty four seven entertainment, um, and just everyone, I feel like now is just so desensitized, and so um, people are constantly like doing the most to stay relevant, like you said, and I think that that shines through with the eye imagery and the whole um they're chasing this beast to get the perfect shot when in reality the whole anecdote is not looking at it um and i think that that is just like such an interesting commentary on um our need for broadcasting everything uh people feeling um entitled to information and entitled to um constant entertainment even at the cost of others and yeah, and then again, that all just goes back to toxicity in the industry, like you said. Um, so I thought that that um, was a takeaway that I think you really have to think about because it's easy to watch this movie and think of it just as an alien movie, but then once you really dive into it and realize the... Um, and then I think my biggest takeaway was just, like I said earlier, the whole... They didn't, like, they were kind of put, placing themselves in that situation by chasing the shot of the alien rather than trying to, like, protect themselves from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think it all just goes back to that idea that people are constantly chasing the next big thing, especially in the film industry. 
I think I'm realizing now, this is just a minor thing. I think the YouTube thing was so purposeful, not only because YouTube's a big video platform, but YouTube's old slogan used to be broadcast yourself. Mm, wow. So I think maybe, I mean, I don't know if Jordan Peele did that on purpose, but that was mm-hmm. the old slogan of it. That's, and I, that brings a good point, I think, speaking to becoming desensitized, because I'm still, like, I still can't think it's a big question why people didn't flock to this area. And why didn't they also have to battle everybody else trying to get this shot? Like, I think we are probably, I don't know if it's just like an underlying, just, you know, even just subconsciously written into the plot. Like, oh, there's not a million people rushing here because 40 people die because we're just used to it. You know, 40 people die every day in like major traumatic events or it's nothing new that 40 people just disappear and we don't know. You know, Mm -hmm. that's just normal life. We just data life. Yeah. 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 I like that. I didn't even consider that. Because like, I mean, especially now without going too much into it, I mean, there's a new tragedy every single day and it comes to a point where we just don't even hear about him anymore, which makes perfect sense then why, you know, 40 people get eaten by an alien. No one really cares. Yeah. And I think that makes sense too, because with the Gordy tragedy, that's something that just people still like, there's like fan clubs about it. Like people still very much are remembering that because back then when we didn't um, have like constant entertainment at our fingertips all the time through social media, through constant streaming, um, some, an incident like that would be a little more shocking mm-hmm. than it would be now. And so he's still very much profiting off of that. And like you said, with this alien tragedy where 40 people go missing, 40 people are sucked in by the aliens, which I'm, 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 I would believe that after it did gain some a little more prevalence than was showcased in the movie. Yeah. But that didn't seem like as big of a news story um, well, as even like Gordy did. But so. I think because Gordy was live. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. You know, when you think about live traumatic events yes. like the Challenger exploding, 9-11, like yeah. those are actually in real time. So they're mm-hmm. trying to focus on getting that in real time thing. Yeah. But even now in today's age, it's like a, a, there's deep fakes. Videos yes. can be altered, edited. So that's why they're like, we need to make this look as real as, as possible. Real. Well, in a darker way, I'm, I'll, I'm not going to reference specific things for this just because it's a triggering topic, but... Um, it took place in the 90s, and you always remember the first of a series of traumatic incidents, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so in the case of Gordy and this alien, um, it's like, no, Gordy, Gordy was the first one. That's the only one we ever need to remember, even though millions happen every other day. Yeah. I think there's some dark... And that's why it kept coming back as the backstory. Like, it became so prominent because it was like, this was the first one. How could this happen? But then the rest, we just forget about. And mm-hmm. the, just even, like, the symbolism of in order to... Um, showcase this event and have people believe us we need to revert to older technologies because ultimately she ends up taking basically a Polaroid of it mm-hmm. um, and like he has this only old be one. camera like our modern technology isn't working like yeah. we need to go back and use this older technology in order to capture this which is very counterintuitive um, and I think that just like plays into that symbolism as well Yeah, I guess I, I, you know basically the movie ends with the brother being alive it's revealed in a really pretty shot but i guess just kind of as a wrap-up since we've been going for an hour and a half now um which it's a great movie and we still didn't we barely scratched the surface i was gonna ask you rachel so you took a jordan peele class yes would you say you noticed any elements uh what were the biggest elements of peel class i don't know how you say it peel classics i don't know peel 
his style. What did you notice in Nope, whether it be connected to movies he enjoys or movies he's made in the past? I think the main thing I noticed was his structure. Nobody can replicate that structure. And I, I it's refreshing because over since the last time he released, which was Us, we've seen all these people trying to emulate him. And he just comes back with another movie like, y'all can't do it like I do it. And he did it. <laughs> and he did it amazingly. Um, as far as horror movies and like automatic you know, parallels, obviously, I think Jaws, he loves Jaws. He's a big Jaws fan. That's like the number one thing I, I can think of. Um, there's another alien movie that I only seen bits and parts of, and I'm, the name of it is Escaping Me. But Close Encounters. Of Close the Encounters, time. yeah. And that has like the, the typical, you know, saucer. Yeah. Um, but I think the most prevalent thing was just the structure. But I think this movie is so different from the other two because there's not as much social commentary. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you, it was resolved. That's the thing. It when, was I left, when I left Get Out, when I left Us, I had all these questions. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, I had questions about like why certain things were in the plot or like, you know, the narrative ways, but I didn't have any questions like, oh, what happened to this character? Or what happened to this? Like everything we saw at beginning and end. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. it's a completely different movie. Um, and he, he keeps improving. Like I didn't expect this. I couldn't prepare for it. And it was great. Yeah. He spoke more in metaphors for this one, I would say. Yeah, more references. Kind of, if you know, you know. Um, have fun with this one. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm really trying to stump y'all. And I am I was stumped. Like, my head hurt, like, yeah. leaving that theater. Um, I, when, I'm not, like, a very horror film buff, yeah. but I would be interested to see what other avid, everybody who's seen all of the horror movies from, like, when they started coming up to see which ones he, like, picked from. Yeah. So, yeah. But I, it's evident in his structure. I think I would tell any, because I'm, I think I'm friends with, like, a lot of horror buffs, and I would just tell them, do not expect a typical horror movie with this one. Do not expect it. Expect a creature feature. Mm-hmm. A sci-fi. Ex- a sci-fi. Expect a sci-fi. Do not expect um, the typical horror that you would expect from people. Yeah, think of it like, the best way to put it is, horror is a big genre it covers a lot of different subgenres, and this falls more into the creature feature sci-fi mm-hmm. category of horror to where it's not quite horror but it's horror that's accessible to people who don't like horror yeah yes. that's like this is the this is the horror film for people to see who are not horror love horror and this is like the most i would say accessible in terms of like that because i feel yeah. like get out and us are still very terrifying movies yeah i think what yeah. was different mainly was the language like i don't think he used that many explicit words before in like I, something I just says is Kiki Palmer's character said the N word so many times, you know, and I don't think he he used that word in other films as much. Mm-hmm. But it, those are just like the honest reactions you have, you know, watching a horror film sometimes as a black person. Mm-hmm. So I think he tapped into you know the emotions behind watching a horror than actually being an experience in the horror. And I think that's what horror films capitalize on is like you actually being scared. But this one yeah. is like you're reacting with them. Like it's yeah. not you're rooting for them. But you're not actively scared. You it makes know you I mean? feel in the story, but not in the way to where you feel like it's gonna affect you. Yeah, like you're not. I don't. This movie, I slept peacefully at night. Like I, yeah. I, I yeah. didn't. I didn't think. 100%. You know, like us. I was like, oh my god, I look at myself in the mirror. Is that like? Is there another person gonna come out at me? <laughs> um, and you know, get out. Had other questions about like the people around me, but other than that, I slept like a baby, like a rock. Yeah, it was pretty good. I will say, rainy and cloudy days are going to be weird now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I am. I do look at the clouds. Like I, I always take a picture of the clouds. If I see one that's not moving as fast, I don't know what I would do. But it's going to make me think about the clouds. And you know how like people say, um, 
you know, the weather, some the weather is created or something is fake or yada yada. Like it just kind of p- plays into like those conspiracies. Like what if something, you know, that was just a projection in the in the sky or whatever, yeah. you know, just a funny little crazy thing. What were you gonna say? One last thing, I just I like it just reminded me because it felt we and this is kind of what we were talking about at the very beginning. It felt like we were reacting with. Um, Emerald and OJ. And I, I kind of think that that also just ties into the fact that anybody can be a filmmaker. Anybody can because we have, like, it, because streaming is so accessible, um, social media is so accessible, anybody can be the next big star. Anybody can create the next big phenomenon. And I feel like as people, we're always chasing that. Mm-hmm. And that's, we see that. And even though they're more closely related, like, tied to the film industry than your average person, any average person can get take out their iPhone camera and chase the next big thing and yeah. try to create the next online phenomenon, which I think is another we could talk about this movie for hours. Yeah. And they don't have yeah. to have the latest technology. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. But yeah, go and check out Nope if you like these types of movies. It's very enjoyable. We recommend it. Um all of us liked it, even though we had little bits of it. Um and I guess we never actually just to end it, you don't have to go into detail, but what are your rankings of the Jordan Peele movies? Oh, the rankings of Jordan. Because we have movies. three of them now. First, Us. Number two, Get Out. Number three, Nope. That is my exact ranking See, as well. I think mine's different. Mine goes Nope, Us, and then Get Out. Yeah. Yeah. But I, like, I don't want to poop on Get Out. Like, it's still still very good. It's mm-hmm. shifted, literally shifted the industry. Oh, like, yeah. Changed how movies are made. But Us, I love watching it each and every time. Mm-hmm. I Unless, learn something new. I think about something new. That's the thing we got to remind people. Like, even though we're ranking top three and it's like this third is the worst, all three of these movies are like Completely 90 different. or above yeah, on Rotten Tomatoes' stale. And I don't think, I think comparing them is like apples to oranges. Mm-hmm. Completely different. Completely and different. they're not, I don't, like somebody said like, they're going to line up, the, the title is going to be like, nope, or get out, nope us or something you know like trying to make a sentence yeah yeah i don't think you can no no not, i think they're just right very especially because nope is in all caps yeah yeah nope get us get us out yeah nope, nope get, get us, us out, out. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like you know playing with the words but because yeah. it's interesting to rank them because like you said they're all different they're all very different, all different. and it, they might he might reuse the actors but they're not the same characters and mm-hmm. each care like they completely shift and actually you can't tell you know that oh Daniel Kalu- Kaluuya was um what's his face and get out what was his character's name Chris 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 yeah. was not is not OJ like it's completely different and, and I love friend, that friend TS mother F and A yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah that's my ranking that's good that's good to hear thanks for having me yeah thanks for yes, joining thank you, Rachel Rachel is there anything you want to shout out that you have that people can find you at or not really um not really I. Don't, this is my first time ever writing reviews, so it was very exciting. I want to shout out the Larts um, head, department head, Raya Mosby. Love you, we girl. Love um, couldn't have done it without her. Saw the movie without her. Um, shout y'all out. Thanks for like welcoming into your little Larts circle and yeah. like trusting me to do the review. Oh, yeah. go read the review. It is seriously one of the best reviews we've ever dropped on Larts. Oh, and you. as well, keep an eye out, because I don't know if it's coming out before or after this podcast, but there's going to be an analysis article yeah. as well that goes deeper into the themes, which I'm very excited for. Yeah. yeah. I've been Ryan. I've been Sage. I've been Rachel. And we will see you in the next episode. Bye. <laughs> Bye.